Ladies and gentlemen, it is 2020. Do you know what that means? Well, I know it means a lot of things. It means a pandemic. It means Australian fires. It means murder hornets. It means a presidential election. Oh my God, so much. But that being 2020, that means another 10 years has passed since the last census. So it is time for the census. What's going on right now was one of the original powers listed um, to the federal government in the writing of the Constitution. And it's really, really important. I don't think people realize how important it is. The purpose of it is not only to know how many people exist within this country of ours, but a lot of stuff gets derived from the numbers the census produces, um, the amount of representatives in Congress, um, also a lot of grants, a lot of federal funding, a lot of state funding in terms of school districts and road improvements and all that kind of stuff. It's really, really, really important. Now, back when they first did this, this was crazy. I couldn't believe I came across this number. But in 1776, New York City was the biggest city in the colonies with a population of 35,000 people. Can you imagine that? There was a time in America where the largest city New York City had 35,000 people. That's nothing now. Now there's like, I don't know, five bagillion people in that city. It's insane. Needless to say, the point I'm trying to make, census is more important now than ever before. Got to know who are all these people? Where do they live? What are our population densities? How are we going to make internal improvements? How are we going to fund schools? How are we going to do all this crazy stuff? And also, because it's 2020, we can do some different things which means you can respond to the census online or by mail or even by phone. It's real easy. All you got to do is go to Google and type in census 2020 and all those links are going to come up right there. If you don't respond to the census or even if you lie on it, they're both illegal. You don't want to, you don't want to be involved in that. But if you haven't responded to the census, somebody is going to come and knock on your door and do it in person. That's a pain in the butt. I hate it when people show up at my door. Because it's always at the most inconvenient time, which every time is inconvenient for me. I'm either watching Parks and Rec for the 5,000th time, or I'm taking a nap, or I'm right in the middle of doing a podcast, and somebody's going to knock on the door and be like, hey, we didn't respond to the census, we got a bunch of questions we need you to answer. So, do yourself a favor, get it done now, respond to it, get all the questions answered. I say a bunch of questions, it's really not that many questions. It's really easy to do, it takes just a couple minutes. But make sure you get it done. It's important for you so you're not getting bugged by somebody knocking at your door. You hear a knock and you're like, oh, God, the Jehovah's Witnesses are back. It's not. It's a federal appointed employee coming to find out your info. So just go do it. Get it out of the way. That way you don't have to worry about it anymore. But moving along. The sponsor for this podcast, like every podcast, it's Blackstar Woodcrafts. I've talked about the top of every podcast, and I cannot recommend enough looking this guy up. His name is Scott. He's a really, really good friend of mine known him for quite a while and he does some amazing stuff he has a shop up in michigan and he makes where he makes everything any kind of like wood product you're thinking about whether it's a bath caddy or a wine topper he does um he does rings like you know rings for your finger not like shower rings although i bet he'd do that too if you asked him um cutting boards clocks pens i mean the dude just he just rocks it all of his stuff looks absolutely amazing and you can find him Right there on social media, whether it's on Facebook or on Instagram, Blackstar Woodcrafts, you can see he's got tons of pictures up there of, you know, his workshop and also a lot of the products that he makes and has made for customers in the past. And I, you will not be let down at all. 
you will absolutely love the work that he does. It's high quality work. And for being a listener to this podcast, you will get 10% off your order. Just let him know. Just say, hey, I got here through the Finch show and he will knock that off. And you can talk to him. You know, right there, he loves talking back and forth with customers in terms of what it is they want, what kind of design they want, what color they want. And he'll do it all right there with you in person, um, let you know how much it's going to cost and uh, you know how soon he can get that to you. And I've said it a million times, I'm going to keep saying it, you will not be disappointed. So definitely check it out. The podcast today, I had a really cool guy come on. His name is Matthew Jones. I, I had never met him before. He got referred by a listener, actually who listened to the podcast when I had Elizabeth Northrop on, contacted me and said, hey, you got to check out this guy, Matt Jones. Lives in Rockford, does a lot of wrestling stuff. Um, so I looked him up, shot him a message. He shot back, said, hell yeah, I'll do it. So he came over, sat down. We had an hour-long conversation. Really, really good. He's a total wild man, really passionate about what he does. Um, so we had a really fun time. So I'm not going to continue with this pre-podcast rambling any further. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here is Matthew Jones. The Finn Show. All right. Yep, we're recording. Okay, I'm here with Matt. Matt Jones, thanks for coming out to Freeport. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, if we were to, I guess, bump, each other, bump into each other on the street and we had never met before, and I said, hey, man, what do you do? What would you say? I say I make videos. All right. Custom videos for wrestling fans that love movies. Mm-hmm. When did you get into that? Well, I've been making videos my whole entire life. But as far as doing it full time, this is my second calendar year. Oh, okay. So two years ago. Okay. Is it like a commission thing? Do you get contacted by people who say, hey, I want a video, or you just make some yourself for... It's a little bit of both. Okay. Wrestling. What? Uh, how long have you been a wrestling fan? Since I will. This is a good question. I, I, people <laughs> ask me that a lot, and I've been trying to like give the perfect answer. Uh huh. So when I was a kid, like every other kid, wrestling is like a sport. You know, there's hockey, there's wrestling. My dad liked wrestling. My mom liked football. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then one night, I seen the Undertaker come out to the ring, and like the lights. Went down and I'm like, wait a second! I've been watching hockey, basketball, you know. I like when the lights go out for the Bulls. Like, who's this guy? And then the Undertaker came out and it caught my attention. Mm-hmm. So that was when wrestling went from being like my dad's thing. To, okay, I, I like wrestling. I'm gonna wait for the Undertaker guy to come out. Mm-hmm. So probably like five, okay, six that area. It's a lot of fun. It's totally different, you know. A lot of people. Um, you know, I kind of get tired of hearing that that wrestling is fake. You know what I mean? Technically, is it fake? Yeah. But, you know, if I'm going to hit you with a chair, whether you know it's coming or not, you're still getting hit with a chair. Yeah. You know, that's, that's some painful stuff. Just like any other sport, you take bumps in basketball, they fall to the ground and they got to catch themselves too. Mm-hmm. You're doing acrobatics with a little bit of theater and also pain. Yeah. Okay, have you... Uh, trying to think what would... Where... See, I was kind of in that position where, uh, you know, I was a, I was a big wrestling fan as a kid, okay. and I was a big wrestling fan even into my. Who was 20s. your favorite wrestler? Let's start there. All time. Yes. You know, uh, it's 
I hate to say this because of everything that happened afterwards, but probably one of my all-time favorites was was Chris Benoit. Nice. I loved him, nice, yeah. the rabid Wolverine. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, he was a badass. Yeah, he was one of Total the best badass. wrestlers of all time. Yeah, yeah really. Um, Psychologically, physically, and I think so. I think that had a lot to do with it. As somebody who. Um, you know, did wrestling in high school and enjoyed that. I enjoyed, you know, him and kind of Kurt Angle had that where they had like the technical aspect to it too, where they had the actual, you know, wrestling background that then they brought into professional wrestling. Um, I liked his look. I liked his attitude. He was one of those people who as a character could be intimidating without fireworks and music. Yes. Like, you'd come around a corner, that dude was staring at you and you'd probably piss yourself. Yeah, he believed it. Yeah. He believed his character. 100%. Now, every, now, everything that happened with him outside of the ring, subsequently afterwards, kind of like, you know, really diminishes the memory quite a bit. I mean, that was kind of a, that was a scary, how many, I'm trying to remember how many years ago that was now. Like 11? Yeah. That's what I would say. Where he had, because if I remember, he had killed his family and then committed suicide. Yeah. Which, I mean, you could get into a long conversation then about traumatic brain injury and everything else like that but if we're sticking just with the wrestling side of it yeah he was probably one of my favorites as a as a kid as a kid in the you know late 80s early 90s it was originally ultimate warrior okay okay, um, Warrior. and i actually it's funny you bring up undertaker i remember watching the event when undertaker made his debut when he came out for the very first time and came out to the ring and just choke slammed hogan you know okay. and you're like who is this guy okay, oh yeah, my yeah, god yeah, yeah. yeah how about you you know, people have asked me a lot who my favorite wrestler is, and I would say it's Shawn Michaels. My wife would say Goldberg, just because I turn into like a five-year-old kid whenever he comes out. Even to this day, uh-huh. like watching old wrestling events, if Goldberg's there, like I, I still get amped for his character. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> probably because he's a great character, too, and if you've seen him out on the streets, you'd probably think, oh my God, it's Goldberg. The same way that you would feel about Chris Benoit. They just live and embody their character. Right. And that's what makes him a great wrestler. Mm-hmm. Because his wrestling is basically storytelling, like you said, not to say it's fake, but everybody kind of has to go along with, okay, that's The Undertaker. Is he The Undertaker at Walmart? And yeah, he is. Is, yeah. is Goldberg, Goldberg, and only you see him at a car show, and I bet he fucking is. Probably, so yeah. What draws me to those kind of characters, and same with Shawn Michaels, is he the heartbreak kid when you go and see him at the mall, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure he is. Well, yep, same guy. Yep, yeah. Yep. Some of those are, they always crack me up, and especially with some of the people where they, they sort of have to like, adapt their character or their, I should say their character changes quite a bit you know there'll be one type of character and then there'll be this kind of character and when we see that a lot you know yeah. I mean even with Stone Cold Steve Austin when he was with WCW he was stunning Steve was that oh yeah part yeah. of Hollywood Blondes yeah Hollywood Blondes Brian and then, Pillman I love Brian Pillman right. rest in peace as well and then he came over to WWE. It still screws me up that it's WWE. I'm going to call yeah. it WWF so bad because I'm so used to that. You we know. don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's been WWE for like well over a decade now. I would assume 20 years. Possibly. Yeah. But when I was a kid, you know, for the first 20, 30 years of my life, it was WWF. I keep wanting to call it WWF. But um, yeah, and then when he came over and then he was Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was still a great character. You know. oh, yeah. My other favorite wrestler, I forgot to mention, Mick Foley, who had many characters oh, as well. I actually yeah. met that guy one time. Okay. Oh, that was one of my favorite wrestling experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't... 
I don't want to say I met him. I got a book signed by him. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, I did the same thing. I did okay. The same thing. So I, I said that I met him. Right. I, I do. Yeah, I had the three second interaction where he said, "Oh, here you go." And, you know. He grabbed my son actually and pulled oh, really? his phone out. Yeah, and he had a picture of Santa Claus. Sat my son on his lap. No kidding. Yes, and started showing him pictures. This is Santa Claus. If you're a good boy, he's gonna bring you presents or whatever. And I'm like in an awe. Right. You yeah. Where was my idol right here? And he's just hanging out with my kid, <laughs> Abel. You know, Agner, who hating the time doesn't even know. Who it even is? But yeah, it was just yeah, out of body experience that Mick Foley was that real of, of a cool guy. To right, say. I met him because my son's actually sat on his lap. Right, which is an odd thing to say. Yeah, that's I love that. I love that anytime you can meet somebody who's any form of celebrity and they actually come across as a real, real person. It wasn't wrestling. I had the same way. Oh gosh. Ten years ago, and I met Brian Urlacher, oh, and, it, okay. and it was awesome. and it was so freaking awesome. I was just in the line to get a signature from at Cherryville Mall in Rockford, okay, okay. and my oldest son uh, was with me, who at the time I want to say was like eight or nine, and um, you know he wasn't into sports. He didn't know who Brian Urlacher was. He didn't know anything about the Chicago Bears. He's like, whatever. I'm with my dad to do this thing, you know. And we get up to the line, and my son's totally not paying attention. And I turn around, and I'm like, hey, Alex. <laughs> Alex and Erlacher looks up and he looks at me and he's like, don't worry, dude, my kid's the exact same way. <laughs> I'm like, oh, good, you know, that that's pretty awesome. Yeah, Mick Foley, and he's been Mick Foley, Mankind. Um, Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack. Dude Love. Yeah. His original character, I believe, was Jack Foley after his dad. Yeah. So he's been all types of characters. That guy's a wild man. Yeah. Some of those like uh, matches you'd see him do, like on ECW and stuff like that, where they were doing like the thumbtacks and the yeah, dump a box of thumbtacks on the mat, and then he's gonna jump on top of oh, it. Yeah. And you're like, Guaranteed. oh. Interesting story about McFoley. He's wrote like five autobiographies. I think mm. he's even passed up Winston Churchill. <laughs> and the one funny thing about him was WWE was trying to get him to relax later on into his career. You know, stop taking those bumps off the apron. Mm. And McFoley's like, I can't really do much in the ring anymore, boss. Right. I gotta keep on dropping the elbows. So they told him not to. So he left. It went to a whole different wrestling organization so he could still keep on dropping his elbows uh, uh-huh. and his hip off of the apron just for the fans. So another like, great story about Mick. Really, really dedicated to his craft. And I don't think he'll ever wrestle again, but he made sure that he was going to continue to drop that elbow off the apron <laughs> for the fans until the day his hip didn't work no more. Right, yeah. Ride hard or die. So, uh, bigger question. Um, Vince McMahon, hero or villain? Villain. Yeah? I hate to say that. Yeah? Yeah. He's kind of done a lot of good and a lot of bad in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. He's helped a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But the, as the Macho Man would say, the cream rises to the top. Yeah, true. So they'd have made it anyway without Vince or with this. He was just there to collect all the revenue on most of their t-shirts. He did a pretty good job on that, too. I mean, the guy got... I that, And that's one of the things that occurred. I didn't realize it, I guess. It didn't occur to me. But whenever you're watching, like, um, you know, baseball, football, hockey, basketball, any of that kind of stuff... You know, the players have contracts, and when they become free agents, they can go to whatever team they want to and sign for more money. Mm-hmm. When WWE um, is the biggest show in the land, and you're not happy with your contract, there's not a lot you can do about it. I mean, Vince has kind of got those guys by the balls. It's not like they can say, well, I'm going to go over here and for $50 million more. I think at one more time I realized that, um, and this would have been in the early 2000s, I realized exactly for, and this was when like Stone Cold Steve Austin was like at the height of his popularity. And I realized that he was making just like slightly over a million dollars a year from just WWE. Now, everything he did outside of that is what got him his revenue. Mm 
you know, any of the appearances that he'd do on different stuff. If and, they even allowed him to make money off of that because they got him on contracts. Right, really. yeah. They get him under lock and key real quick, and then there's not a lot you can do about yeah. it, you know. Yeah. That's got to be kind of a shitty show. Um, Everything goes up to the man. That's why it, I say Vince McMahon is the bad right. CEO who keeps his employees. Unbenefited, in, in my opinion, you know. They say if you get hurt, we'll pay for it. Mm-hmm. I don't really like that kind of insurance policy. You know, I'd like to be able to just go over to the doctor. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot of things that he could do differently with his employees that would make it maybe a more pleasant working environment. Yeah. Well. What? Um, how does that work? Like, if you're, let's say, you're wrestling for Vince and you break a leg and you break it so bad you'll never be able to wrestle again. Now, do they provide, like, health care for the rest of your life or just until you're, like, contracts it up? It depends or? on what you tweet. Oh, it's one of those games. Yeah. Okay. Like I say, he's an evil boss. So as much as it'd like to be, okay, yes, you broke your neck. Uh, N- Natalia's husband, this happened to him. I can't think of his name right now. But uh, it's a wrestling guy who broke his neck in the ring. A guy, Samoa Joe, dropped him incorrectly, busted his neck. You know, the guy was a good up-and-coming star. Mm-hmm. Married into the Hart family. Now, now he's almost paralyzed. He can still walk or whatever, but, you know, he can't ever wrestle again. And they'll put him on lock and key contract, but he's going to have to do what he's told. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, he's part of creative. He sits on his phone, you know, from whatever uh, okay. you see on TV, and he's very unhappy with his life. Yeah. And he's not probably going to be allowed to do anything ever else in life, or he's not going to get this, whatever they give him, a week to get by on. Oh, uh, so he's kind of indentured servitude at this point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I hate to say it, that sounds about right. That always, you know, for a long time I kind of gave Vince credit, because at the very, and I don't know if he does anymore, I've kind of gotten out the last several years, but for a while there, he didn't have a problem getting in the ring and getting busted over the head, and I'm like, well, at least he's willing to put himself, he's not just going to sit from afar and make money off of it. Then you start hearing a lot about these contracts and a lot of these shady business deals that go on and the way a lot of these guys get treated, and... I always thought it was interesting, you know, I don't know if they still do, but a lot of those wrestlers, you know, they put out their own books. Oh, yeah, they were, still do. They were published by WWE, you know. Yeah. And a lot of times when you got reading them, you kind of felt like a lot of it was filtered through several editors. Oh, like, yeah. Like, there was only oh, so yeah. much that the wrestlers are allowed to say about what goes on and what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. And they just always felt very sanitary, yeah. you know, like you expect you'd see a bunch of redacted stuff in there. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't say that, can't say that. It all seems candid and put on. You know, they don't really give you. But they, they have given us enough over the years, I, I would say, to Vince McMahon could be a little more progressive and take all of these accounts into his stance on mm-hmm. the wrestling industry and make certain changes that might make it a more working environment for everybody involved. There's been a lot of research, a lot of documents, a lot of like YouTube documentaries that people have made on the wrestling industry. So there's a lot of information out there that we could take into consideration going forward with wrestling, and I don't think he wants to. I think he's going to keep it the same old way it's always been because that keeps him rich and his family set forever. Oh, yeah. And he just puts out a wrestling show. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the end of the day. What, um, so if if you were to start at the very bottom, like let's say one day, you know, you're 20 years old, you wake up, you're like, you know what, I want to be on Monday Night Raw. Is that a pretty hard path for someone to go to get to that point? There are a lot of ropes you got to go through, a lot of... No. I, I would say, literally, if you just stuck to it. From what I've heard from people that go to wrestling schools, and, and I've, I've dabbled in schools of all different types of academies throughout my life, but I, I believe there's a lot of people that swarm 
to things. Mm -hmm. But the ones that really stick on their path, and this goes for any life, any stream, if you actually stick to a path, so say you started at 20, say you started at 30, you could still stick to that path. And the chances of getting to where you want to be are very high. Mm -hmm. Very high, especially if you have confidence and you believe that you can do it. You know, not even Vince McMahon can tell you you can't. Right. So, they're high. <laughs> All right, I yeah, because I, I there are a couple times this has been in the years past. I'd go to like a, you know a Monday Night Raw, and before you know before the cameras would turn on, they'd have the dark matches. You know, they'd have the guys who were essentially there to try out. You know, and I always found those interesting. I always kind of wanted to root for those ones because you know it was some guy who's doing everything he can, busting his ass to hopefully get to his dream of making it into the WWE. Um, God, I'll never forget, though, I was at a Raw in Milwaukee, and this would have been, like, 2000, 2001. And this guy got in there, and he was wrestling against Saturn. I don't know if Saturn is still around. Or he's, he, he's live, yeah. so I don't think he wrestles anymore. Okay, I, some of those guys. Yeah, I, I get to the point where I think to myself, like, it, it's probably been 17, 18 years, maybe less than that, since I was really into wrestling. So I begin to wonder how many of those guys are still around in the industry. You'd be surprised how many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, still do it. It's it seems Check to, on Twitter. Yeah, it seems to me like it's not so much a job as much as it is a calling. Like some yeah. of those people are in there, they're in it for life. Yeah, whether so what they're... else is Francine gonna do? Right. You know? <laughs> she's... <laughs> she's Francine. Right. And I, you know, it. I it kind of was so sad to say this. This guy um, who was wrestling against Saturn, and I don't know. You know, you never know behind the scenes what happened. Like what led into this? What got this guy this tryout or something like that? But from somebody who was who has never been a wrestler, has never gone to wrestling school, has just watched a lot of wrestling. I remember watching this dark match and thinking, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And at one point in time, he picked Saturn up to uh, give him a drop, and he, like, screwed it up. Like, his leg went out. His technique was horrible. His leg went out from under him. Mm. He brought Saturn down really awkward. And you can tell, like, outside of everything, Saturn got this look on his face like, you son of a bitch. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you know, and he. I remember he picked him up and slammed him really freaking hard, and that was the end of the match. It was almost like, dude, you can, you almost injured me because you don't know what you're doing. I always wondered. Um, so, but a lot of them, when you saw, you ended up really rooting for him. You're like, you know, you go out there and get it. You it's know, funny that you said Saturn because I got to <laughs> rewind this. There's actually a funny video on YouTube. It's a Saturn match where he whooped somebody's ass. Uh huh. In a match. I don't know why, but he was actually on punishment. So he had to go out and fight the guys from the towns. So it does not surprise me. Okay. This is probably the time where Saturn <laughs> whooped, I think, Steve Blackman's ass live on TV. So it made him go be a jobber for a while. Oh, really? That's why he had to go out and fight some rookie. I'm going to have to go YouTube that. Yes, so I'm going to see if I can yeah, find the yes, video yes, of it. Yes. Be Saturn like... goes ham on Raw, whoops somebody's ass, and gets in trouble for it. Yep. Oh, God, that poor son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but you do mostly want to root for the new guys. Oh, like yeah. I say, if, you, if, if enough fans go for you, the problem, I think, with people that stop their dreams is the world's job is to tell you don't do what you want to do. Right. The world wants you to fall in line mm -hmm. and do what everything else like everybody else. So you have to overcome what the world says and be your own entity. Mm -hmm. And if you are your own number one fan, then you can essentially get away from all the hate and make your way through to progress. And that's usually the hardest thing. Yeah. It's usually the hardest thing to get past. Oh, yes. I, I, had, I had read this book, um, I was just talking to somebody about it yesterday, called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No. Um, he wrote, and it's not a long book, it's like maybe 100, 150 pages. It's one of those books that, God, I wish I had one, I'd give it to you, because I love having copies of it, I just give out to people. 
Because his whole argument, the entire book, the reason he wrote it, he said, you know, no matter what you're into, whether you want to be an author, whether you want to be a movie maker, whether, you know, you name it, whatever it is you want to do, the only thing that's stopping you is resistance. And a lot of the resistance is shit you've put in your own head. Mm -hmm. A lot of what it is that's trying to stop you is your own anxieties, your own insecurities, your own, yeah, there's, you know, there's logistical stuff. You know, obviously sometimes there's financial, like if I decided today that, you know, I really, really, really wanted to get in pottery and become a professional pottery. Well, having never done it before, I've got a lot of equipment I've got to buy, you know, there's so in some cases, yeah, yeah, yeah. but a lot of the focus of the book is the mental aspect of it. The idea of that anytime you want to work on, you're sitting on the couch and you know, you've got something that you're passionate about and you want to work on, but you say to yourself, you know, I really want to do that, but maybe I'll get to it tomorrow. That's resistance. That's part of your brain telling you, either for a confidence level or whatever reasons your brain tries to make up, that you're not going to get it done or you can't do it is essentially what it is you're fighting against. And I think I always liked it because it was one of those things where it was like, um, the more you can identify that your enemy, the more you can move past it. Yep. You know, yep, yep. so that especially with something like wrestling, where not only is it mentally taxing, physically taxing on top of it, those. Um, there, oh Lord. Promos, you know, people are scared of their own promos. Yeah. That's that's what I think holds a lot of wrestlers back too. I was reading an article that Randy Orton had just produced, believe it or not. Okay. Sports Illustrated. He doesn't really talk very much, but it's coming towards the end of Randy's career now, and he's kind of like giving away the secrets as far as what he knows. Mm -hmm. And he said for like the first thirteen years of his career, he was petrified of giving a promo. Really? He said he had to struggle through every single one in his upcoming just to get into the ring to show five minutes of what I could really do in there because he knew that his in-ring work was going to work for him and not everybody can jump 10 feet high like Randy Orton you know? right so you have to be able to get those uh, promos in. and that's what I think is holding a lot of these talented people back is they're just scared to be confident in their character yeah and, and go forward with who they want to be and, and not worry about how it's going to be received mm-hmm yeah, I can see that. Well, it's, it's always difficult, um, and I I had never thought about it, but I guess, yeah, the way you put that, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of people just have a hard time putting themselves out there. And not even putting themselves out there, I would say self-grandulizing, if that makes sense. Kind of. You, you know, kind of like when you're Breaking doing... Breaking yourself down. No, I would say bombastically putting yourself out in front of other people. Oh, you know, okay. a lot of people struggle with it, because a lot of... Most people you meet, at least, hopefully, are, you know, kind of humble, or at least... You know, people with a strong work ethic can be. You know, they kind of be like, yeah, you know, it's cool, it's all right. You know, but then to, you know, put yourself out there in front of other people with hands on your hips like Superman and say, I am. Yeah, I can see that being hard for people, you know. It even gets that way with doing this podcast. And, you know, I don't, that's why I, I don't know, I don't promote it a lot because I don't feel like, I don't feel like I should be going to all my family and friends and be like, hey, I do a podcast, you should listen to it. You know, and even then, it's it's just it's bizarre, and I wonder if you know anybody. Because well, on any time you put yourself out there, you're you know you're gonna you're gonna deal with some pushback for whatever reason. I don't know why. I think people are just unhappy with themselves. Uh, yeah, and it's the world. Like I would yeah. say, it's the world's job. Right. right. It's, it's the world's job. <laughs> if you're gonna post your podcast, it's the world's job to say to stop doing that. Right. Because that's not something that we all want you to do. We all don't do that. Right. You're unique in your own way. Keep it to yourself. Right, yeah. You know I mean, they, the more people that are putting out their own podcasts, the less that there's going to be people that are acting like them. Right. So it's, we're just setting a new standard of what we do for livings and for works. And well, like that. well, and also, don't we kind of like live in this world now where anytime anything bothers anybody, they have to throw a fit about it? 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the amazing thing. Like, I'm, I want to say, I don't remember. I think this is just like the 16th episode of my podcast. And even then, I've gotten, I've gotten some hate mail over it. Oh, and, and it's sure. like, go fuck yourself. You, know? <laughs> you yeah. know, if you don't like the podcast, then don't listen to it. If it's not your cup of tea, then don't listen to it. I'm not, I'm not out there knocking anybody's door, putting a gun to their head, saying, hey, you need to listen to my podcast. But we've kind of gotten that way society-wise, where... <sighs> Everybody feels like they got to knock something down and be vocal about it. Yeah, it's really strange. Yeah, and I think that's really sad, especially when people are out there. You know, you see people out there trying really, really hard to, you know, do what it is they want to do. You know, and they're taking that step of putting themselves out in front of other people. But you, you as a as a creator, you have to realize that the people that are coming at you on the internet are, in turn, you said email, mm-hmm. they're hiding behind fake walls, oh, yeah. fake names, and if there's one person that's sending you hate mail, there's going to be two, and I can promise you that they're going to be the same motherfucker, right. just on a different <laughs> URL. You know, right, I mean, yeah. They, they really like to be phantom. Your, your haters are, are small groups of very vocal people. Yeah. But your fans are large groups of humble people, like you were saying at the beginning. The people who are there rooting for you are just doing it humbly. They're not standing out there with signs or posting it on their Facebook pages either because it's something that not all the world is ready for. You. Right. So when, when, the, when the world's ready for it and then they do have a sign made for everybody's yard, you know, you're running for president, then they'll all fucking do it. You know, <laughs> but, but until then, signs in the yards for podcasts and stuff like that is just kind of something that we're, we're keeping on uh, the back burner. Right. Uh, until things are, are really, really smooth in that avenue of life. But it's still new to people. It's you're right. It's still new to people. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I like, really like the way you put that. Well, there's just something sad about, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I just imagine these people who are like, freaking gargoyles who just sit on their couch and just have to all day long on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, you know, screw you, you suck, you know, yeah. you, why do you got to do They work security yeah. in factories. Yeah, and they I just... know some of them. Yeah, I've done that job too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not all of them are bad, but I mean, it's those type of people, you know, yeah. who really just dislike where they've been placed in life. So when they go to the internet, they want to make other people feel bad. And then you can call them gargoyles, or I think they call them trolls. Trolls, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where the, the originate, the term comes from. Yeah. It's just a crazy group of people out there that want to watch the world burn. Right, yeah. And it's, God, and I think the ones that, the one that I've been, I think is the most pointed example of that, I don't know if you know or like Sherry Bustos, who's our local representative in this area. I don't. Hey, I, I don't know. I yeah, don't, I don't think she goes over to Rockford. You're I think in her, Stevenson County. Yeah, right? we're in Stevenson okay, County. I'm in Winnipeg. Yeah, County. and she's our local um, uh, national representative in the House of Representatives. And regardless, like, like legitimately, this is the thing that cracks me up. Take all politics out of it whatsoever. Take how you feel about left, right, rep- just put that all away. Follow her on Facebook, and she will be presenting an award to like some area boy scouts for something that they did and the comment section is so nasty about stuff that's not even related to that it is and i feel like i feel like it's got to be that way for any politician right now no matter what side they're on there's always somebody out there ready to be like what the hell man you need to be doing this and you need to be doing this and why don't you give a shit about this and it's like everybody's so damn angry they were marching at our mayor's backyard (coughs) yeah like on the weekend i saw that it was some kerfuffle going yeah, on. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> they were still arresting people in my town yesterday. Yeah. Well, we're in a bizarre time. We're in such a bizarre time right now. But yeah, it's like they're going on Facebook and doing it, too. Yeah, like, I guess I, so. I, I, I don't, they might have to ban like social media yeah. for a certain period of time 
just because that helps inflame fires. And you know, you hear somebody, you read somebody say something on Facebook, and then you see him protest, and you know, and you know what their stances are already. It's just going to fuel this fire. Right. More of people that are just so outspoken and they think they can just speak out however they feel for whatever reason. Right. Well, and I feel like I got it's something I've tried to do just like the last couple of weeks, and it kind of gets hard, you know, when you do a podcast and stuff like that. But I try to like stay off the social media sometimes because it can drive you insane. Yeah. You know, not even stuff related to what I do, but just scrolling through Facebook and you see some of the stuff people post and the way people comment on it, and you know, I find myself getting all worked up over it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I was having a perfectly good day 20 minutes ago. Now I'm all irritated. Yeah. You know, is it was it worth it? If you have nothing nice to say. Don't say anything at all, and I know that's an old moniker, but it really should go for people on social media, and and, and it's the older people, in, in my opinion, who are the ones that are throwing all these jabs at each other, and they they should be the ones who know better. Right. They should be setting an example for the younger kids right. on Facebook. But when you go on there, and, and it's the older community fighting about politics, like you said, someone bitching about the House of Representatives leader in the comments of them giving a medal to a kid. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, why are we not setting a better standard for the generation? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's crazy thing is a lot of people like to, um, you know, they like to say like, oh, you know, it's snowflakes or it's millennials. I kind of feel like it's across the board. We you all know? should have learned our lesson by now. Right. Like I was saying with Vince, like there's been enough things that have happened. We've, we've learned, okay, you can't just get mad and have a rant on the internet. Okay, we all did that in the 2010 era. <laughs> right. Now we're in the 2020 era where everybody's sensitive. So let's just be fucking ultra sensitive online. Yeah. That should be a standard. Yeah. And then nobody gets their feelings hurt. Then maybe in public we might be able to get along a little bit better. Right. But. Yeah, and I, I I can't help but think that I don't I I don't sympathize with people like Mark Zuckerberg. You know what I mean? Because here it is years ago, you started this company just to say, hey, this would be kind of a fun internet thing for people to interact. And now you're having to testify before Congress. And everybody's telling you like, oh, you can't let people do this and you can't let people do this. And it's like, where's that line between freedom of speech and filtering out bullshit? You know what I mean? That's such a hard line to find. I said this before, uh, maybe not recently, but with freedom of speech and all those constitutional beliefs, Mm -hmm. there's so old-fashioned right like we can definitely brush upon the definition right what freedom of speech means what comes from your motherfucking mouth is fine right what you put on the internet might be set in stone forever so there may be guidelines what you say can and will be used against you people need to understand they have the right to remain silent they probably more often than not should true True. Well, and the thing about it is the the reason why freedom of speech is written into the Constitution was basically saying that if you decide to call the president an asshole, the president can't arrest you. Exactly. Yeah, the government can't arrest you for that freedom of speech. about typing it on your Facebook yeah. page and sending it to your right. boss. Yeah, it has nothing to do with... The freedom of speech, motherfucker. It's like, what century are we in? <laughs> right. Okay, if you want to come say it to me, you might have the freedom of speech. i got the freedom to knock your ass out still, but I'm going to get arrested for it. You know, there's going to be laws uh, yeah, that there's a give and take since then. Right. Well, and that's just the thing is that the amount of times I've seen this on all sides over the years where somebody will say something, they'll get a bunch of criticism for it, and the person says that, oh, my right to free speech is being infringed. No, it's not. The people who think you're an idiot, there are people who think you're an idiot, and there are people who are going to think you're great. And them commenting on it is their freedom of speech, too. So, you know, but, oh, I think think the Internet's, um, you know, it's a double-edged sword. It's a good and a bad thing. It does a lot of really, really great things, and... 
unfortunately, it brings out the worst in people sometimes, you know? It does, and so does everything else. And it's yeah. within ourselves as a society, I think, to learn from our mistakes and move on. It's like I was saying, we've all made mistakes in the past, and there's no reason why we can't all take this 2020 as a learning year. Right. And not make all the dumb mistakes we've been making. <laughs> right. We could all probably come together in some weird way and make this work. Yeah. Instead of just fighting and having a left and a right and a right and a right. Yeah. Well, and that's the hardest thing to understand is that... Um, you know, for as much as it, it kind of cracks me up whether it's, it, it always depends upon the circumstance with Republicans and Democrats because they, they love to invoke the founding fathers, but it depends upon what the situation is. Okay. You know what I mean? If it fits their argument, they'll bring them up. You know, the whole, like the reason the whole constitution was written and was put together was because the idea is that rather than it being dictated to what we were going to do is that we were all going to get together and talk about it. And if we were going to get together and talk about it, that means we were going to have to make compromises. Like, you're over here, I'm over here, okay, we need to meet in the middle, which means both of us have to give up something to get there. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit more your way, sometimes, but at the end of the day, that was the high brain notion that that's how all this was going to work. Just like a wrestling show. Honestly, right. I, I've said this a lot in life. The Republicans and the Democrats are just like two different wrestling promotions, a heel or a face. They're yeah. both trying to get the same rub from the audience Essentially, is mm-hmm. what this Democrat-Republican two-party system is. It's the heel and the face. Oh, yeah. And they're going against each other to put forth one narrative to the fans, which is all the people that watch wherever you watch your news outlets at. Mm-hmm. So there's really no point for the fans, the people that vote, to get mad at each other for what's going on in the show. You know, I would never get pissed off at you if you told me that Roman Reigns is your favorite wrestler, even though deep down inside it, like, that <laughs> motherfucker... <laughs> You know what I mean? I would never like start invoking the founding fathers. He does not have a move set. He doesn't have a signature. He does the same fucking thing over and over again. You know, I would never go that route with you. So why people do it with politics? Yeah, they're taking it. They're they're taking their form of entertainment, which yeah. I think politics is way way too seriously. Mm-hmm. It's feeding over into their groups on Facebook. Oh yeah, they need to just scale it back, and Facebook should go back to what it was. Put pictures of your face on there. Right. And what it is your kids are doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not what the fuck you care about right. in politics. Not your favorite wrestler. Mm-hmm. Not your favorite. I mean, if you want to post your favorite wrestler every once in a while, but if I put pictures of Shawn Michaels up every day and then bash people that put up pictures of Roman Reigns, I'd be the biggest asshole of all time. And that's what I think people should realize is their political show is like my wrestling show. Right. And I don't shove it down their face. You don't shove your podcast down people's faces right. with what you think should be right and what you think should be wrong. Yeah. So they should not put their Democrat-Republican narrative down everybody else's faces. And you're 100% right. It, like, it feels like it's a show. Yeah. And it drives me nuts because... Um, you know, I know people who are hardcore Democrats who have the mindset that Democrats are always right no matter what, Republicans are always wrong, and I have friends who are the vice versa. Yeah. And both of them just nauseate me. Both of I them got guys just that like, think Bret Hart's uh, the best wrestler of all time. Uh-huh. They're never going to change their opinion. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel the same way about, I, I can concur. Yeah. I understand. So what do you think about if we go and, as we kind of like get back to wrestling? Well, I, I can compare <laughs> politics to wrestling Oh, you all could. Day. If you, you want to give me another political stance, we can yeah. talk about whatever you want. You I'll could. Get Absolutely. Yes. What do you think? Fun. There have been so few of those guys in the industry who have sort of like um, transitioned into, I guess, into movies. I, like, obviously, The Rock would okay. be your main, because he was a wrestler for a long time, and eventually, like, I think every once in a while now, he'll pop up at WrestleMania or something like that, but oh, for yeah. the most part, he's just... I think he officially retired a couple of years Did ago. Did he? At WrestleMania. Okay. Well, he hadn't really been around since the early 2000s. No, yeah, he, every once in a while. He had two matches with John Cena that were noteworthy on this side of the 2000s. Okay. God, that... Um, I forget what year it was for WrestleMania. Him and Mankind, Mick Foley, had a Hell in the Cell match. 
that still to this day just oh god makes my spine shiver. Mick Foley and, and, the, Rock. and the Rock. I don't know if they ever had Hell in a no, Cell. It, no, it wasn't a Hell in the Cell. I got they, it wasn't a full on Hell in the Cell. I quit match maybe where he got hit in the head with, with the chair like fifteen times, split his head open, his fan. Yeah, his kids were in the front row. Yeah, it was like King of the Ring. Yeah, it was that one where they were they were at the time they were filming that documentary yeah, on Mick Foley. The, behind the mat. Or yeah. Great, great film. Yeah, it was. Really, really was. Some of those, have you, can you ever imagine one of those guys getting into it? Because a lot of those guys, they kind of like choreograph their own thing. Like, you know, this is the way I understand it, so correct me if I'm wrong. But like, let's say if we were to go back in time and like, let's say, you know, Kurt Angle and Triple H are wrestling each other. There's no choreographer going out with them choreographing their match, saying you have to go here, then you go here, then you go this. It's really the two guys together saying, this is how we're going to... This is how we're going to break this down. Is that generally how it goes? From what I was told, there's been certain guys that don't do scripts, like Rick Rude never did a script, and there was a guy like the Macho Man who wrote down every single breath. Oh, really? Yes. So, wow. And yeah, some people just go on the fly, and some people go by script. That's I think probably the same with any avenue. I'm sure that some guys do podcasts and they have like 20 questions written out. Right. You roll on the fly. Yeah. You know what I mean, so yeah, it's I... the same for that. I can't do scripted. I don't want to sound like CNN over here. I witness news, and I'm like, and in other news. Um, yeah, the cool thing is, is it got at the it's the Metro Center. It's now called what the BMO. Oh, yeah, the BMO airspace. Yeah, it'll always be the it's Metro Center. Yeah, the Metro. <laughs> Big orange box. Years ago, um, WWE had a dark match there. It wasn't a Raw. It wasn't a SmackDown. It was just a house show. Yeah, it was a house show. And I got to admit, that was probably one of the coolest ones I ever went to. I, I had tickets, and I was like third row. Oh. And they had the mat, you know, they third got... Third row, anything. Yeah, and they got the ring there and everything. There weren't any fireworks. There weren't any light shows. I mean, they saw the music when the guys came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were gearing... I forget which one. I think they were They were like three weeks away from a Royal Rumble. Okay. Um, so at a lot of the matches they had, there were matches that were going to be in Royal Rumble. You could tell it was kind of like a warm-up for the guys. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the coolest ones is uh, Christian Edge and Kurt Angle were wrestling. And it was one of the most eye-opening things because we were sitting close enough, you could hear them whispering in each other's ear during the match. Nice. You know, they could be off, you know, they'd come off the ropes and they'd kind of lock up and he'd say, okay, off the top. Yeah. You, know, and, you know, and you'd be like, oh, okay. So they kind of had an idea of what they were doing, but you could tell, you know, you could, it was one of those you got to see the gears working. You know, you got to see the machinery behind the curtain moving. Makes sense. And that was really, really awesome. In our matches, like I would usually write out a script, mm-hmm. and then we'll go through the script because our our stuff's more choreographed than I think the other wrestling is. And, okay. And then we, we still like to throw in some on the fly spots. So even then, in the script, I'll say just wrestle around for five minutes. Yeah. And that'll be really where we talk to each other and like say, okay, you want to do this or do you want to do that? Or I'll be like, okay, I can't remember what the <laughs> hell we're supposed to do. Like, does anybody know anything? And that's maybe we got to call a cut. So I, I think our wrestling is different than their wrestling. But I think it's all kind of the same with you want to leave moments to just play around with each other because that's mm-hmm. what the fans, essentially what you were reporting back, was the most exciting part. Oh, yeah. Seeing them do it and come up with it on the fly. Because it is cool. In the end, they're just two people fighting with each other. And right, yeah. For your entertainment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of those, uh, God, have you ever gotten any bad injuries doing it? Um, you know, my, my muscles rip. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is what the biggest injuries have been. Okay. Like, is my body's been transforming the whole time. Because mm-hmm. I didn't really start physically wrestling until I was 30. Oh, okay. So I, I had played football and done high school wrestling and all that. And, you know, I had kids, so I played backyard. And I'd done, like, all types of athletic 
random things. Yeah. But really starting to, you know, drop on my back onto concrete, front flips off of couches, you know, stuff like that. All the weird shit that we were doing in the wrestling show, I kept on, like, tearing random muscles. I tore my back in the same spot oh, twice. Oh, shit. And I feel like the last time I, I tore it, it didn't actually heal. Or the first time I tore it, it didn't actually heal all the way. So then the second time, it was a little bit more than mm-hmm. I was walking with the chair. And then I, eight months had gone by, and I was at the gym at the YMCA, and I was you know, being a strong-ass motherfucker, playing with 75-pound weights because I just could. And I picked down, and I grabbed him the wrong way, and I tore my back again the whole fucking thing this time. I was oh. straight down. I'm like, okay, we have to leave the gym. I never went back because Corona happened. Oh. Like the next day, I literally, right when the coronavirus started, I was on my back for like three months. I couldn't hardly move. Okay. My one son, Aiden, was rubbing my back the whole time because I'm like literally tapping out. A couple times, I would just spend the days going back and forth to a hot shower. Yeah. Because that muscle in my back oh. was just torn. And like there was talk around the house is Matthew ever going to walk again? Uh-huh. So I guess that was like the strangest yeah. time of my life. And then one day, I went and bought a strap from Walgreens, and I strapped myself up, and I'm like, today is the fucking day. I'm not going to have no more back pain. And I held myself up high, put pants on, and put jeans on, and I walked around, and I stretched out, and the next morning I woke up, and I swear to God, there's no pain. Really? At all, and I haven't had any back pain since. Uh So that's how the pain goes to me, and then it happens in random other spots, but the back has been the worst. Right. God, the human body's so weird like that. Yeah. You know? Especially the older you get. Like, there were times I remember, you know, being in my 20s and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, you could jump off of this and do this. And like, eh, oh, I tweaked my ankle. Like, ah, it'll be fine in a day or two. Now it's like, I'd bend over to pick a pop can up off the floor. And it's like, son of a... Mm-hmm. The wife got me on yoga. And I would recommend yoga oh, yeah? to anybody. Yeah. Yes, it's good for your mind, body, soul, and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just that it takes time away for you to actually clear your conscience. Because you want to take the time to stretch your body out because you know that it's important for you and it actually stretches your organs out in a weird way too that gets okay. your whole body flowing I would recommend yoga I know DDP Diamond Dallas Page oh yeah he's got a great program yeah I heard about that he was on the Joe Rogan podcast a few months back was talking about it okay, and I yeah. thought and that was kind of one of those funny things because I, I'm a regular listener to his podcast and I'm Same like here. you know I'd like go through and see like oh and I saw Diamond Dallas Page and I kind of laugh I'm like dude I haven't heard that name in like a decade you know, holy cow, and I listen to it, I'm like, that's really freaking awesome. I forget what he calls it. Is it just like DDP yoga? DDP yoga. Yeah. <laughs> was the one that you listened to, was it the first one or the second one? I don't know if he's got two or not. I've only listened to one. You only heard one? Okay. Yeah. He was supposedly going to be having a movie come out. Oh, okay. Positively Page. All right. We can, all, we can IMDB this after we're done, because mm-hmm. I, I love he's, he's made another movie, I don't know if you've seen it, it's got Jake the Snake in it, and no. Scott Hall. Really? It's called like Reinventing, I, don't quote me on the name of the movie, <laughs> but it was on Netflix for a while. No kidding. Like Reinventing the Snake or something, yeah, and he brought Jake the Snake in to live with him. Oh, wow. And rehabbed him. And then Scott Hall got all drunk and had to come live with them too. Whoa. Yeah. And he got both these guys back yeah. on their feet and inducted into the Hall of Fame. Like Diamond Dallas Page is a 100% golden human being. Wow. And he's got a new movie coming out about himself called Positively Page. Okay. I'm waiting for it. And Rogan said he's going to have him back on the podcast. Okay. The movie was ready. I would keep so an I eye out for that. I missed it or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I'll have to go back and look it up. Yeah. So many of those guys. God, what was that a documentary they did years ago on Terry Funk? Do you remember that one? It was the same one. It was, it was, it was Mick Foley. That Beyond the Mat. Oh, yeah, yeah, that it, was. It between a couple different characters. Yeah. It was just a wrestling fan who was going out trying to see if wrestling was real or what the story was. Right. Who would let him behind the mat? Yeah. God, that that the part about Funk in there was almost like, um, you know, it was... 
it was inspiring and kind of depressing at the same time. Right. It was inspiring because you're like, no matter how old this guy gets, no matter how bad a shape his body is, he's determined to find a ring somewhere and get into it. Yeah. You know, he was at the point where his knees were so bad he could barely walk. Yeah. And yeah, at the end of it, they're like, oh, he just went to Alabama or whatever to enter another league. And you're like, oh, man. A huge shout outs to my man, Paul Heyman. Okay. For bringing Terry Funk in and giving him that position in ECW because Terry Funk shouldn't have been wrestling, like you just said. He ain't in no shape to be doing a moonsault off the ladder, but the only guy crazy enough to allow the Funker to come in and do something like that was Paul Heyman, who was yeah. booking ECW at the time. And as if you watched the Beyond the Mat film, I think there's like there's a huge segment dedicated to Paul Heyman like giving a speech yeah. about bringing Terry Funk yeah. and what it actually means to the company and making that guy actually a legend in the film. It's it's really good, but it is kind of sad at the end mm-hmm. because he is old and, you know, it's still a great. Movie. Well, that's got to be the. That, I imagine that undoes a lot of wrestlers. No matter how passionate they are, you get to the point where your body just doesn't want to do it anymore. I know Stone Cold got to the point where towards the end he was, he was always in the show per se. Yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. he was wrestling less and less and less and less. I know it's because his knees were getting so bad well, that it was like heart broke his neck. Yeah, which fucked. Stone Cold up for a long time. Oh, I, I can was, imagine. I, I, yeah, I was personally had a vendetta against Owen Hart as a human. Okay. Before breaking Austin's neck, a move I've seen Owen Hart do multiple times safely, and for whatever reason on this night when Austin was supposed to win the belt or whatever, breaks his neck, uh-huh. and then Austin's never the same afterward. Even though he fights through all types of pain, he still was never able to have the career. Yeah. Could have had. Yeah, it's too bad. I think that's why, though, they put him in those big spots and they kept him around so long because he had such potential and sold so many fucking t-shirts. Right, yeah. Some of those, God, I think the, one of the funniest ones I ever saw was in uh, Austin was wrestling against The Undertaker. Okay. And Austin threw Undertaker off the ropes and when Undertaker came back, Stone Cold came up and kicked him in the gut. And Undertaker's head came up, so he's so tall. I mean, he's a freaky tall guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his head came up so fast, the back of his head hit underneath Stone Cold's jaw. And I shit you not, you could tell it knocked him unconscious. Because all of a sudden, Stone Cold just, (laughs) you know, falls, you know, just goes wet noodle and just collapses onto his back. And and kind of, and you're you're sort of watching for the inside what's happening. Because you see Undertaker kind of see this happen and know that. This wasn't that. That was he's not down because he's. This is part of how they're yeah. going to do this match. So he kind of has to stumble off to the side, like, "Oh, I'm hurt. I'm recovering. I'm on the ropes." Meantime, the God, who was that bald guy who was a ref um, in WWE for so long? Earl Hebner. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's over and he's on top of Stone Cold and he's like smacking him in the face. Hey, oh, you all right? Oh. And eventually, you see Stone Cold kind of come to and they they have a couple words and. You kind of see Stone Cold nod, and he gets up, and him and The Undertaker are with the rest of the match. Okay. I saw, it wasn't like a full-on documentary, but it was a behind-the-scenes thing I saw like three months later where Stone Cold was like, he was like yeah, I got knocked unconscious. Yeah. I didn't know where the hell I was. Oh. All of a sudden, I come to, and what's-his-name is like, hey, you all right? And Stone Cold's like, yeah, where am I? He's like, you're in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> no shit. Okay, well, let's finish this match. You know, like, I, I, I hate to rag on other sports, but you won't see that in any other sport. Yeah. yeah, if it's basketball, you got knocked unconscious, well, you're done for two to four weeks. And wrestling, they're like, well, I got to finish. The show must go on. <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. Get back up there. Two more tombstones yeah. and then the finish. <laughs> well, it was the same way when Triple H blew his quad. Yeah. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you remember that. It was uh, wrestle- <coughs> Royal Rumble? I think so. Like 2000? He did 2001? twice, I want to say. Oh, did he really? Yes. Yeah. 
I remember, I only specifically remember the one because it was, uh, I want to say it was during Royal Rumble. Because, I mean, I mean that dude's stacked to begin with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's the kind of guy, and I don't know if he's still this way, but I remember back then, he was the kind of guy you'd bring into an anatomy and physiology class because you could point out every last freaking muscle on that guy. I remember guy. he was throwing a sledgehammer or whatever, and yeah. he gave out before him, and then he was trying to like hold himself yeah. up on the hammer afterward. And even then he continued wrestling yeah, after that. Like, yeah. he knew he had blown his quad out. It yeah. was gone. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. still like, he's not just going to be like lay down and roll out of the mat and be like, oh, I'm out. Yeah. You know, no, he kept going with it. I'm like, you crazy son of a bitch. He tore a bicep during a match, too, right in the opening. It was He fought against, like, rated RKO a few years back. Really? Took, a, took an RKO and tore his bicep and had to finish the whole entire match. Wow. Like that. Yeah, he sat there with, with tearing muscles and having to fight Oh, through. God. <laughs> Triple H is a trooper. Yeah, he, he is. He definitely is. I oh. give him all the credit in the world. He's been around. He's, he's definitely been like the... Punched back. Yeah, a lot of times he's been Atlas. You know, he's held that company up. He was always kind of that, mm-hmm. and I always liked him because he was he was one of those people who could play a heel, mm-hmm. but you still kind of rooted for him. Yep, yep, like yep. if he started hinting at being a hero, you'd get really excited. You're like, oh, he's gonna come yeah, out back yeah, up yeah. Stone Cold or something. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he was always on the verge of being cool, right? By association, and then he'd come out on a motorcycle once in a while with a leather jacket. It's like, damn it, you know, I know I like Triple H. He's definitely going to be a cool guy now. He's just like one of the coolest guys of all time. Yeah. Like when you see him backstage, he generally seems like the heart and soul, I would say, of the WWE at this point. Well, he's been their backbone for so long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you had several guys like during that. And that was, I think, in all the time of wrestling, that was probably my favorite period. It was right around like 99, 2000, 2001. Okay. You know, when it was like your, your top tier guys were your, you know, Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, Kurt Angle. Attitude Uh, era. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, Eddie Guerrero. Oh, yeah. He was there. I loved Eddie Guerrero so much. Chris Chris Benoit was there. Um, Jericho. Jericho. Yeah. He might be the GOAT. Yeah. Honestly. (laughs) I don't know. I've thought about this a lot. It's either between Hogan or Jericho because they both kind of did the same thing with wrestling. Mm -hmm. So only time will tell. Yeah, with Chris Jericho, but he's up there with autobiographies too. I don't think he's past Churchill yet, but he's definitely got three. Of them. <laughs> so, there's a lot more to come in yeah. Jericho's career. He's still going to be AEW champion, I'm sure, one more time before this is all over. That's crazy. That because that was back when he was. That was the whole. He was the Y2J. Yeah, because he was the first ever undisputed WWE champion. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. And a lot of those tag teams back then, they were the Dudleys, the Hardy Boys. Um, God, that I th- I don't remember. I think it was a table, ladders, and chairs match that oh. they did with the Dudleys, Christian and Edge, and the, the Hardy Boys. Boys. Oh boy, yeah. <clears throat> I walked away from that wanting to go to the ER, and I just sat on the couch and watched it. Yeah, man, those know? people they defied gravity. Oh. Those matches are going to stand the test of time. Well, who, which one was the younger of the Hardy brothers? I can't remember his name. Jeff. Yeah, that guy was so insane. He's super cool. I he, met those guys. Oh, really? Yes, I almost chopped Jeff across the chest. Uh-huh. And every day that goes by, which I would have. <laughs> if I could change anything about the interaction, was right when I was about to leave. I went to go chop him, and he went up to fight me, too. And I'm like, no, bro, my kids are here. Yeah. And we were at the mall, so I didn't do it. I was so excited to meet those guys. Definitely one of the best moments of my life. <clears throat> that guy would climb on top of a 15-foot ladder in the middle of the ring, mm-hmm. 
and do a double somersault off of it through two tables outside the ring. Yep. And then just get up and keep going. And you're yeah. like... He'd have a little bit of a sore back. Yeah. He'd always grab that <laughs> same sore <laughs> <sword laughs> <in> his back. <laughs> you knew Jeff had been hurt or done something crazy. Yeah. He was holding his back. It's the only sign he would ever show you. Yeah. <laughs> is... um. God, I hope it's not true. I guess I should have looked this up. I had heard that... Um, is Rikishi still alive? Did he pass away or something? Thought I had heard. Ah, uh, you know, I don't know. Honestly, I, I'm gonna, I'll have to look at it. Yeah. Honestly, I hope not. I, I haven't... But wrestlers die all the time. Yeah. Hey, Siri. Is, Rik, is Rikishi alive? <laughs> Rikishi was born October Still alive. Still alive. Still alive. All right, good job. He's, good he's for still, him. Yeah, he's still alive. Wow. Still alive. I think he's still making appearances. Like okay. New. Yeah. He, he, I, dude, when he'd throw people in the corner and just. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, stink face. Yeah, oh, give that stink face. Oh, yeah. Well, he got thrown off a of hell in the cell on one of them. Yes. And landed on his back, and it was like a Into truck a full, truck. yeah, full yeah. of mulch or something like that. Yeah. 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 Oh, no. A guy that big. Yeah. Oh. And the Undertaker like, chokes him yeah. off the top of the cell, yes. Can you, yes. like, that's, talk about trusting a co-worker. Yeah, yeah. You know? Everybody involved. Right. You had to be trusted a lot to drop Rikishi off the top of the cage. Yeah. Looking back, it probably wasn't a good idea. No. Because you're like, <laughs> if that truck is parked slightly one side or the other, or the throw is slightly off, or a foot catches. Yeah, if the wood breaks when he gets there. Yeah. And I couldn't believe how high it was. Like, it was one of those where I'm watching, and even though I know that these guys are not really trying to kill each other. Yeah. And even yeah. still, there was, like, your heart leapt into your throat when it happened. Like, <gasps> no! Yeah, yeah, he could die. Like, when Mick Foley got thrown off the top of the cage from The Undertaker. Yeah. And down, I think JR was like, that's it, he's dead. Yeah. Like, I think everybody <laughs> kind of collectively thought. Like, JR, oh, I miss that guy. Yeah, he's on AEW now. I Is don't he? Know if you watched that. Yes. No, uh-uh. It's him, Taz, and Tony Schiavone. No kidding. Yes. And Taz. And Taz just showed up last week. Wow. Gosh. I thought he was going to be a WWE mainstay until the day he died. Because he was there for so long. Yeah. He was like the voice of. He was like the, you know, the... Taz was SmackDown's voice for a while. Yeah. And then he hadn't been. I don't think he's been employed for WWE. They, really? They might have had him on talent relations, but he was just doing a podcast for a longer, for longer. Oh, really? He probably still does. Uh-huh. But now, yeah, he just got brought on to be with AEW. He might be somebody's manager, too, I want to say. Oh, okay. They're going to put him in there in some capacity, which is cool for the wrestling. Fans. Yeah, definitely, because he was there... He was like the voice of WWE for so long. Anytime you turned on Raw or SmackDown, there he was, and mm-hmm. his voice was narrating everything. And God, I think I even still got somewhere the cookbook that he made, the WWE cookbook. Okay, that's yeah, funny. I don't have that. Yeah, that was. Um, I remember it coming out though. That's oh God, it was called Take the Heat or something like that. But it was a, <clears throat> I want to say it came out 2000, 2001. It was a cookbook made up of res- recipes from all the different wrestlers. Okay. To this day. I shit you not, and people laughing when I say this, the recipe in there, the steak marinade called Steak Benoit, is the <laughs> best steak marinade I've still ever had in my life. I've still got the book somewhere because I still, like, a couple times, yeah, I still make that, yeah. And I remember being young, I want to say it was in my early 20s when I read it, and I'm like, you know, there's this marinade, and it called for, like, peach preserves and soy sauce and all this stuff. And so I tried it, I mixed it all together and put in a bowl some steaks, left it overnight, next day grilled them. Best steak marinade ever. Nice. It, yeah, I had a lot of really cool, like, of course, you know, to have, like, the Rock's crumble cake. Oh, I said the Rock's got a pie. Right. right. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, yeah, and he's uh, you know on the cover of it with his you know his, okay. his big big cowboy hat. And, okay, you know it's funny. I remember like the music came out and then the Rock had a song mm-hmm. called "The Rock's Pie." Yeah, and I believe it came along with that too. It's funny. I, I could see great that. marketing back in the day when they had the Rock. Something that WWE doesn't really do as much anymore either is they don't give their guys that many outlets. We we were gonna go down the rabbit hole of the wrestlers that have gone into movies. Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah. We kind of didn't, but I think that's actually an important role to go down yeah, too. Yeah, definitely. For other aspiring wrestlers as well, as I would hope that they would be listening, that they should want to do good promos, obviously, and have good characters, and that's only going to help transition into movies. That's why we don't see a lot of wrestlers going to movies these days, because they're not really getting coached very well on promos. They're getting yeah. coached more on doing the circus act in the ring. Oh, okay. Around bounce here bounce there and it's way over dramatic and the wrestling matches don't even make sense anymore okay and they left their focus on the acting and the characters and the storytelling okay so that's why we don't see the crossover yeah well a few of them have, i should say quite a few of them have tried yeah, uh, Trip, yeah. triple h was in a kids movie years ago the chaperone I, did, I didn't see i didn't it. watch it either <laughs> but i did see triple h in blade trinity like oh yeah he was phenomenal yeah so why he decided to have his follow-up <laughs> film the driver? yeah i don't know he should have done something else more of a it was the best line in the movie where he says to the Ryan Reynolds character, have you seen my dog? And he says, have you tried the lobby? Because it had just like flown off the edge of like a skyscraper. Oh my God, bro. It's like... <laughs> I want to go and watch him now. I want to see that. Do you remember they had those Pomeranians they had turned into vampires? Yeah. And he's running after him and this window had gotten smashed out and he dives out of the way and the Pomeranian just slides off the edge. Oh and right God. after that, Triple H grabs him. Have you seen my dog? <laughs> you tried the lobby? <laughs> That was amazing. Oh, I forgot Ryan Reynolds was in that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really going to watch that. That was, because that was basically him doing Deadpool before Deadpool. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. It I've was never like, really seen Deadpool. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you'll I've love it. I've been told a lot to watch it. Yeah, you'll love it. Yeah, I it's, love it, it. It's hysterical. Um, Stone Cold did a few movies. Yeah. Never a headliner. After. He, he did headline a movie. It was called The Condemned. It oh, that's right. It was a produced movie. I went to the theaters to see it. I fought to stay awake from oh, the no. I'm not a huge action film guy anyway. Okay. Like, James Bond is cool because you get to see the new technology the world's coming out with. Yeah. But otherwise, like, all that stuff doesn't really do it for me. So, yeah, Austin, as much as he could act like a redneck because yeah. he are one. Right. <laughs> he, he's not the best actor in the world. Yeah. Well, well, of course, back in the day, Hogan did, you know, Suburban Commando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. Actually, somebody asked me who I thought the first ever transitional wrestler was. So this is a good answer. I thought about a lot. Okay. My, in my opinion, the biggest celebrity wrestler is not Hogan. It's the Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay. And because he started it off mm-hmm. with going and taking a bite out of a Slim Jim. Yeah. And after he started getting on TV, was that when you seen Hogan go do Suburban Commando? And then he went over to WCW and started doing other stuff. But, you know, Vince McMahon and Macho Man were doing pretty good with their snapping to a Slim Jim on yeah. TV. And that was where they really broke in. And Macho Man, bro, is still featured in the gas stations. On the slip. Yeah. He still is. The longest reigning personality, probably, of wrestling right. anything is still. That's the true. Man Randy Savage. Yeah. And he was in movies. His most notable was a character named Bonesaw 
in the Spider-Man movie with Tony Oh, yeah, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. Where we see him fight in a cage. Yeah. One of the best Macho Man Randy Savage matches of all time. Uh, yeah. He also fights in the beginning of Ready to Rumble against David Arquette in a That's movie. That's right. Like, Macho Man is one of the most decorated celebrity wrestlers of all time that doesn't really get the notoriety because of Hulk Hogan. Right, just yeah. fucking oversaturated himself. Right, but yeah. The Macho Man... Took time in picking the roles that he picked, and his character was yeah. Because of it, I had forgot he was in Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, and Nature Boy. Oh yeah. He didn't do a lot of outside wrestling stuff, but he was just one of those people who sort of like transcended wrestling into pop culture. True. Like everybody knew, like woo, you yeah. know, everybody knows that even he, to this day. He's he's more popular now than I think he was in the seventies. That's bizarre, it's isn't it? To say, yeah. But I think he might even be worth more now than he was back in the seventies. Probably. Oddly strange. We share the same birthday. In nature. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's pretty cool. He was in a music video with Offset. Okay. Uh, you've seen that? It's uh-huh. called the Ric Flair Drip. It's oh. literally the name of the song, and it's absolutely hilarious. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right, and I don't know what it was like. Every, like we get those weird, like, nostalgic things, and I think that's what it is with him. Because, mm-hmm. like you're saying, he's more popular now than he was in the prime of his wrestling career. Everybody knows who he is now. ESPN yeah. did a 30 for 30 on him. Oh, that's yeah, true, I yeah. Mean, like, that really put him over the moon with the entire world, because Disney, ESPN, like, everybody knows those two conglomerates, those aside from wrestling. Uh. He made it on to ESPN. Right, yeah, which you don't see very often. I don't believe they've done anybody else. Yeah. Has, um, well, Goldberg did, well, he did that one Universal Soldier movie. Goldberg is a phenomenal actor. I don't know if you've seen the, I can fucking name of it, it's a Halloween, or no, it's a Christmas movie where he plays Santa Claus. I can't remember what it's called. Somebody can Google it. It used to be on Netflix. It's uh, it's phenomenal. Is it really? It's great. It's okay. so great. I can't think of what it's called, but Goldberg's horror film. Okay. It's good. I'm, I was laughing at the concept. I'm like, that either would be really good or really bad. He's a murderous Santa Claus. Oh. Santa slays is what it's called. Santa S-L-A-Y-S. And he goes around on his sleigh and kills motherfuckers when he comes down the chimney. It's so funny. I believe there's spears, jackhammers, all types of moves like that. He's also in the Looney Tunes movie. Oh. Goldberg plays the bodyguard. Oh, God. Yeah, like what? The, the villainous bodyguard is Goldberg. <laughs> yes, in, in Warner Brothers Looney Tunes film. Yes, okay. It's hilarious. He's like Steve Martin's partner. Right? Yeah. Really, really good in that. So yeah, Goldberg's done some good movies too. Well, Kurt Angle was in one of the Sharknados. Was he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a couple other wrestlers that yeah. made into the Sharknado. Well, they they take anybody. Anybody really? who was like a okay. like C-list celebrity lower could get into a Sharknado film. Okay, yeah, I've only, I think I've only seen the first one. Man, but <laughs> really? Yeah, am I missing out on it? Like I've heard people I, talk about. I it. don't know. I don't. <laughs> you only watched one. Yeah, caught the fever. And it was, it was, it was funny. I mean, when you've got a movie called Sharknado, like it doesn't take itself seriously at yeah. any point in time. Yeah. I mean, I remember when at one point in time when it's like uh, you know, you know, there's a shark caught in a tornado and it's about to fly at this guy and he's holding a chainsaw. And so he just holds it up and braces himself, and it's this big, great white, and it comes at him and just like shears in half. And you're like, okay. I so like, as far as special effects are concerned, is it worth 
watch it from that aspect. Kind of. Okay. I, I do like new CGI. Right. I'm always down to see what yeah. they can do with the computers. Yeah. I've got plenty of friends who go on and on like, oh, because I think they're like on their sixth one now or something like that. Like, oh, no, you got to see it because then this this happened. I'm like, okay. I've just never got around to it. Oh, uh, you're not invested. No. I saw the first one. I thought, well, that's probably about. What they're going to be. Yeah, that's probably about all I got in me. Anything after that, I feel like it's just going to be gimmicks. But but then again, I'll have to find out. I think it was like the fourth or fifth one, that, or maybe even the third one that Kurt Angle was in. Okay. And I thought, well, hey, it's Kurt Angle in it. I might, yeah. might check that out. Yeah, I'd you be know? down to watch him give it a look at Slam. Yeah. Going back to Chris Benoit, him and Chris Benoit wrestled each other. I want to say it was in Royal Rumble 2000, and they oh. were in um, oh, a, it was a ladder match. Oh. It was one of those briefcase ladder matches. Okay, yeah. this one's not ringing a bell. Yeah, to me that was still one of my favorite matches of all time. Man, I'm gonna have to watch. Yeah, this. I've seen them fight a couple different times, mm-hmm. but not in the ladder match. Yeah, both of them being such such technical wrestlers. It was a lot of fun to watch. I bet. I bet. <coughs> especially, great. yeah, especially with Kurt Angle. I mean, the guy won a gold medal as an Olympic wrestler, so with he's a broken freaking neck. Yeah, which is insane to begin with. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. but when the Olympics only comes along every four years, you gotta say, "I'm giving it a go." Yeah, yeah. Four years, I might not be able to do this. So yeah, I, I think he broke his neck in the first round. You know, it's, yeah. it's not like you just back out. It's like, yeah. nope, shoot me full of adrenaline and let's let's do going. this. <laughs> yeah, come worse or oh yeah. wow, yeah. that is crazy. Well, um, we'll uh, we'll close this one up. We just plowed through an hour, and it felt like it was like five minutes. Nice, bro. so, so yeah, that, that's yeah, freaking amazing. Anything you um, you want people to find you? Uh, look me up on Twitter, Matt Jones twenty five eighty seven. Also, you can follow me on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Matt Jones twenty five eighty seven for the best in internet wrestling content and behind the scenes footage, and also the wrestling show on YouTube. New episodes. All the time. I'm currently the Galactic Champion, so you're going to want to watch this season. Is season X of the wrestling show. That was an excellent promo. <laughs> I liked thanks. it. It was really good. Thanks, 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 thanks. I'll have to have to come coach me on it sometimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just watch and learn, bro. I get promos every week. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, hey, thanks for listening. I'm James. This is Matt. We'll see you later.